0: we really have the opportunity to look at somebody and then try to understand their plight and then help them connect to, to medical services
1: this is prognosis ohio i'm dan skinner and that was easy Caraba green president of the physician's care connection and free clinic our guest on today's episode as we head toward the new year and our 100th episode of prognosis ohio i've been reflecting a lot I'm going to be honest and tell you that I've been struggling with this next stage of the pandemic, as you may be too. I'm glad I'm going to be able to go home to New York and see family over the break, but COVID just keeps coming relentlessly in waves, and I, like you, I'm sure, I'm just worn down, scared, and frustrated. But as we did last year with the show, I'm going to try to end the year on a somewhat optimistic note, not by dishing you a bunch of bull about how everything's going to be okay, or about how the two new kittens I adopted are awesome, which they are, but by spotlighting the good work our fellow Ohioans are doing to keep our state afloat against all odds. As I thought about this episode, I couldn't think of a more inspiring person than E.C. Icaraboe-Green, who's known around the state as a tireless leader, though I'm sure she does get tired, who does everything she can to keep the Physicians Care Connection running, providing care to thousands of Ohioans in need, but also serving as a connector and convener, working with partners around the state. As we discussed today, and as EC goes out of her way to make known, she is in many ways the most public face of a massive volunteer operation, supported by the goodwill and hard work of many, many people. We're lucky to have them here in Ohio. As I tell EC, I couldn't imagine Ohio without her and the PCC, though I would like to imagine an Ohio in which these services were less needed because we solved so many of the problems that the PCC addresses. You can read more about EC's work as well as a physician's care connection by checking out our show notes at prognosisohio.com and wcbe.org. While you're at prognosisohio.com, check out the more than 90 past episodes we've got posted there and read up on what we're doing with the show. If you can, please consider supporting the show for just $3 a month by becoming a Patreon. I'd especially appreciate your help now, since I've just brought on a fantastic production assistant, Lexi Merritt, who you'll soon be able to read about on our website. Lexi's going to be helping us improve the show and expand its reach. Your $3 a month will get you a t-shirt, but also help me support Lexi. The goal as we head into our 100th episode remains the same, namely to bring you conversations like the one you're about to hear, spotlighting issues you care about, and introducing you to inspiring people in Ohio, like EC and the good people at the Physicians Care Connection. Hey, EC, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the podcast.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: So the, the Physicians Care Connection, which you know most folks, at least in my world and around Central Ohio, know as the, the PCC. Um, <laughs> it's an organization that I've, I've had respect for for years. I mean, just uh, watching the work you do. I want to mention that you know, today's episode came together because I reached out to Mike Corey from the, the Human Service Chamber of Franklin County, and I said, who should I have on to kind of really spotlight for this end of year you know, episode? And he said, well, definitely, definitely the PCC would be a great one. So
0: Mike's wonderful. He's he's awesome. Thank you.
1: Shout out to Mike Corey.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: so I know I know you're going to think I just say nice things like this to all my guests, but it's true. I mean, I can't imagine Central Ohio... Without the work you do at the Physician's Care Connection, you keep a lot of people afloat, but also you have volunteers. I mean, it's an operation that ain't easy to run and is filling all sorts of holes in the American healthcare system and bringing value to us. So. My listeners may not know too much about the Physicians Care Connection, though, so I want to start with just tell us about it a little bit and, you know, how it came about and sort of what you do a little bit. And there's a lot to talk about, but, you know, maybe we can kind of get people up to speed.
0: Sure. Physicians Care Connection. We are an affiliate of the Columbus Medical Association. And so our organization came about um, in 1993. Um, at that time, the physicians that were members of the Columbus Medical Association were looking for opportunities to work with the community um, to provide access to care for those who couldn't afford it. Um, so at that time, the Physicians Free Clinic was born. Many people know of our clinic. Uh Present day, it's operated out of the Columbus Public Health um, Building on Monday evenings. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of where we got our start. So over the years, from working with marginalized and vulnerable populations, but also our wonderful um, volunteers who are both medical um, and community members, we've really learned the art of taking care of people. Um, we've learned that, in addition to their medical issues, um, many of them are burdened with many of the community dish conditions that they've lived in or that the community has suffered for from a long time and so We've grown um, to be problem solvers. Uh, What we really want to do is help people navigate um, existing resources. We want to maximize the utilization of those services. Uh, People work during the day, and so they may not have time to sit on the phone and wait to schedule an appointment, or sometimes people have a lack of access to internet and those things, and so they may not have the ability to really search and find um, services that may be applicable to them. Things change really fast, and so, you know, our care coordinators, um, they look like the people that um, we serve. And so being able to understand and kind of walk in the shoes of the individuals that we're taking care of makes us uh, a good candidates or it makes it easier for us to really identify and then try to search out um, how to make someone whole. So we've definitely grown from just treating the medical aspects to really starting to look at the social determinants of health and then figuring out what partnerships that we need to Put together in a community ultimately um to help our neighbors
1: yeah i like this idea of problem solving you know as a medical educator myself this is one of the things we try to work with our students to to understand is just figuring things out means really listening yes and and being creative too and you're, you're doing a lot of really creative work there you know we've talked on this show a lot about the american healthcare system and also some of the unique problems here in ohio uh, so we we understand some of the holes and the social determinants and how all these pieces fit together. But I, I wonder if you could tell me. I, I'm just curious. Is this kind of a model these free clinics and or what the PCC does unique? Uh, you know, are are these kinds of institutions sort of around the country in different places. Cause, you know, we have the, we have issues across the country and then the world. So, you know, I mean, are, how, how unique is the PCC in the model? Or are you building on a kind of emerging trend in healthcare to try to make sure that vulnerable populations get the care that they need and the navigation and support?
0: That's a great question. So for the free clinic aspect, we have a couple of different models that we're using to really tackle uh, some of the barriers that our our neighbors are facing. So with the free clinics, um, I am also part of the National Association of Free and Charitable Clinics, as well as part of the State Association. And so there are free clinics all over this country. And they vary in size. They vary in structure. Some of them are hybrid. Some of them have already gone up to become federally qualified health centers. Some are solo uh, practitioners. So they run the gamut. And the one special quality of all of these clinics is that, as you talked about, we're filling those gaps in the healthcare system. We really have the opportunity to look at somebody and then try to understand their plight and then help them connect to, to medical services. The navigation is something, that continues to grow. Um, Systems are talking about population health management. We talk about meeting people where they are. And so we know that the statistic is that 20% of issues that people have are medical and 80% of those are social. And so you will see many of us adjusting, using different models to try to address those issues. So we have a free clinic. We also have a model that's modeled off of a project access site where we uh, have doctors who volunteer in their offices. So people don't just physically come to our clinic. They also go to the doctor's office. And then we also have other projects like the Community and Pathways Hub model that is a risk reduction evidence-based model to really help people um, address their social determinants of health, along with we are the centralized intake and referral for women who are pregnant in the community. So you will see variations of these type of models depending on what, what, what community they're in and what the community's needs are.
1: So yeah, you go way beyond traditional healthcare, quote unquote, right? And and you think about health. And I was actually just before you jumped on here, watching some of the, the testimonials, I guess you call them on the website, you know, mm-hmm. some of the stories from volunteers and patients and others talking about the work they do and the experiences they've had. You also mentioned before partnerships and you know, we're obviously spotlighting the PCC today and the free clinic. But, you know, partnerships are critical to the kind of care coordination and, and, and work that you do. You're, you're in Columbus Public Health's building, right? That's where, where you, mm-hmm. you you do most of your work here. But what other organizations do you partner with? What, who, who else do you want to give a shout out to that, you know, oh, you collaborate with? And, <laughs> and, let, and let me say here to get you off the hook, right? This is just a couple of examples. There are lots of them.
0: There definitely. I definitely want to highlight the Columbus Medical Association, who we are affiliates of, and then our foundation. The foundation has been one of our major supporters. And we also um, have major support from the Franklin County um, Board of Commissioners. And then All the hospital systems uh, partner with us to help us um, with services. So through the Central Ohio Hospital Council, we're doing work. Ohio Better Birth Outcomes is also an organization as well as Celebrate One. And I cannot leave out um, HCGC, which is the Healthcare Collaborative of Greater Columbus. They are the ones who operate. uh, They are our hub here. And so they allow us to uh, produce those services. I cannot forget our volunteers and our staff.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But there's many more.
1: (laughs) And also, I know, you know, I know from talking with students who have done work and and experienced what you all do that, you know, you do a lot of work with nutrition and food insecurity and things like this. So the Mid-Ohio Food Collective, I believe, and some of these organizations.
0: Yes. Community Mediation Services, Legal Aid Society of Columbus. um, Those are just just a few other folks that we are in particular projects with. We just became a new um, grantee for Cardinal Health and Seamer. We're working on a particular project in a 43228 zip code around housing and food stability in an effort to decrease school moves for children. So exciting work going on.
1: It's amazing, but it's also sort of exhausting when I think about how many people we have here in Central Ohio and Ohio who are working, I mean, just against all odds every day, trying to fill gaps and meet these needs. And again, I mentioned by Corey before, I mean, the kind of organizations we have in, in the nonprofit and also for-profit collaborations that happen, it's just, um, it's it's impressive, but it's also extremely uh, just diverse and, 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 and almost impossible to keep track of.
0: <laughs> yeah, the human service chamber was really essential for us to keep functioning during the pandemic. They were full of resources. They helped us get PPE when we couldn't get. I mean, there was nothing that the Human Service Chamber did not try to do in an effort to make sure our door stayed open and that we were providing a safe environment and that we had access to things that we need. So they were pretty critical for us um, to stay in operations during that time.
1: So let's talk about your patients. You know, um, the people that you have come into the free clinic and that you work with in various capacities. You know, we know, we've talked on this show for months, um, close to two years now, that the pandemic has just been brutal, you know, for and especially brutal for those who are already in vulnerable situations. We we know about disparities. We know about racial and ethnic disparities,
0: sure.
1: um, disproportionate effects on women, uh, especially when you talk about employment. and I mean, just, you know, across the board here. Um, And the eviction crisis and housing insecurity is something that is just um, heartbreaking here in in central Ohio, but around the country, too. Can you just tell us a little bit about the patients that you're seeing? What what kind of trends are you seeing? I I, I don't want to ask, how are they doing? But I kind of mean that in a way, which is like, you know, what's your observation kind of from a human perspective of, of where we are?
0: You know, it's funny, we always struggle with the word patients, clients, and I've really been starting to use the word neighbors Mm -hmm. because that's who it is. Right, it's my person at the grocery store that's helping me bag grocery. It's the person that's at the front desk when you check into, you know, a hotel. It could be your dental hygienist um, that is serving you, or even a medical assistant that's um, helping you in your doctor's office. And then, of course, it's some of our most vulnerable citizens. You think about babies. Um, you think about the immigrant population. We think about pregnant mothers, um, we're thinking about people who are, again, are facing um, eviction. And so that word, neighbors, that, that is who we're taking care of. We are taking care of our neighbors. They look like you. They look like me. They live amongst us. And the pandemic has really shown how close um, people are um, from being in circumstances where they're not able to access and take care of some of their own health and social needs.
1: And, and in terms of just health, you know, I, I mean, the various ways in which we can measure health. And, and obviously, you take a very broad approach here. Um, what what are some of the trends you're seeing that have changed over, you know, I don't want to make everything about COVID, but obviously, it, it's the elephant in the room. Um, are, is it a different experience coming to the free clinic now? Are people coming in with different kinds of needs and challenges than you saw, let's say, in 2019?
0: It was essential for us to stay open because, you know, uh, during the pandemic, you couldn't go to the hospital for some of the procedures, some of the routine procedures, because the hospitals were full of people with COVID. And we're really starting to see some of the impact of that. Um, we have people that need to be scheduled for diagnostics. And it's not just for people who are being seen at the clinic. This is being seen all around. We have, you know, they can't get in. Yeah. Um, and so um, we need people to get simple preventative things um, scheduled. And it's it's been a, a, a kind of like a backup. We've also noticed... Um, Trust. You know, people are trying to figure out who they trust in the system as to where they get services. But we're seeing simple things like diabetes, high blood pressure, just people not taking care of them, Um, maybe because they were unable to. A lot of people are new um, Mm -hmm. to kind of like what I. safety net is the word we use, but new to an environment where they don't have any resources. And so we're seeing folks um, even more not taking care of some of the chronic issues that um, they've experienced um, or not had the opportunity to. So we're definitely seeing uh, people going out without prescriptions. Um, We're trying to get them connected to care as well. But I know that we're trying to schedule a lot of diagnostic procedures for individuals that we see.
1: Yeah, we've talked to, you know, I think it was during 2020, I had the recent past president of the Ohio Dental Association coming on talking about just how brutal uh, the pandemic had been on on oral health and on, you know even just cracked teeth and all these things okay. that were coming from the anxiety people had, but also the community health centers. got to give a shout out to them, right?
0: Yes. I yes.
1: mean, you know, and yes, I know those do. are your people. <laughs>
0: they are. Those are my peeps. Yeah. yeah. Um, all of them. We have a, a vast uh, community health center network. And so we are partners um, in trying to work with vulnerable populations.
1: So that's a snapshot of the patients. I, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the people you work with, the staff, your, your, your workforce. And in healthcare recently, in the last decade or so, we've started to get wise to the fact that if we're going to take care of patients or neighbors, right, mm-hmm. we got to take care of the people who are taking care of them. Yeah. So, you know, how, how's that going? I mean, you have a, a, a volunteer base, you have these dedicated folks, you have staff, you have a board, you have a whole team that you're dependent on to keep uh, the free clinic and the PCC running.
0: Sure. I, I want to say that we're blessed. Um, we have, we had, we had to um, close our clinic just uh, for a short period of time during the pandemic so that we could reorganize ourselves mm-hmm. to make sure that we were prepared, that we had the enough PPE and so forth. And when it was time to open back, we had doctors, we had our community volunteers, even our medical students coming to us and saying, we're ready to her- help. Mm-hmm. Some of the medical students, I know this is live, they didn't even have permission to do that from their school, yeah. but they were ready to come back Um, and help us. My staff are angels. Um, I really get a lot of the credit, but it really is my staff that has hunkered down and have done the work. Um, There is a workforce shortage. I mean, the pandemic has really just I changed the way I think the work environment um, is gonna be moving forward, especially with re- opportunities to work remotely. Um, there are people that are increasing wages. Um, so that's something that we have to think about as well. But the biggest part is I wanna make sure from a mental health perspective, Um, When you're taking care of people, it takes a toll on you, Um, especially when you're experiencing some of the same things they're experiencing as well. And so I have had staff that they dealt with COVID in their family. They dealt with having COVID themselves um, and didn't miss a beat. Mm -hmm. Um, We had to shut down for two weeks because half of my staff had COVID. They were working from home to make sure that we continue to answer calls, coordinated care for moms who were pregnant. Um, and so they have just been um, amazing. But I will say that there's there's a strain. You can definitely see um, because the amount of needs that individuals have now are significantly more. And so it's hard to just move from person to person um, because you're really um trying to move families and individuals to some type of stability so that also takes you know a toll on my staff when you think of caseload um, and these stories I mean my staff cry with patients they cry for patients and so and they really they put themselves in their shoes and so um, I have angels that are are definitely we're blessed with and working with but we do have a shortage there's there's difficulty in trying to recruit, um folks into this um to this field and so we're dealing with it the best way that we can.
1: Tell me about some, you know, specific ways in which people can take care of themselves in these kinds of workplace dynamics and these kinds of situations. I mean, you know, talking broadly about, you know, getting getting sleep or eating or like but have you been able to implement within you, you know, among your staff kind of specific things to do to kind of slow things down and make sure people are being attended to, because I'm wondering about other organizations that might be looking for some advice. You work in a, in a space, it's a real kind of potboiler of this work. <laughs> so, so I wonder if you have any advice for folks who are working through similar kinds of challenges uh, in doing this kind of care and navigation work
0: you know I, and you hit it on the head i've i've i stopped i've we've taken a day where we've closed the office and we've gone out we just went through access the other day i thought it was an exciting way to relieve some some stress we also have a very open uh policy here if someone is not feeling up to themselves because i have people that are overachievers right mm-hmm. um we have a policy here where they kind of tell on each other yeah such and such is really not Doing well today, um, I think she needs some time off, and I'll pick up whatever load she has to do so that she can take time out. Those things, looking internally, so some of my staff maybe have some of the issues that my own, uh, our own neighbors have, right? So investing into my staff, so we've started doing financial planning with them. So they part of our staff meetings, we've been meeting with a financial planner, and then he's meeting with them um, one-on-one and we're taking care of the, the the bill. So just figuring out different ways of how we invest. And then we're actually going to work with a consultant next year to re-envision our workplace. We're doing some research on what are some joyful ways to keep a workplace well. We all know the money thing is there, but what else? What, what other things can we institute? Even in the hours, is it lower case loads? You know, how do we How do we figure out how to make their jobs more meaningful for them when we know that it's really taxing?
1: Right, because you know, axe throwing only goes so far.
0: Yes. Right?
1: That can't be a kind of ongoing part of the uh, wellness strategy.
0: No, it can't. And it's a liability. When I got there, I thought to myself, oh my God, if somebody walks in front of one of those targets, we're going to be taking care of ourselves. But yeah, just outings, you know, we do have outings. We stop and we, we take care of one another.
1: So I, I want to give you an opportunity. You know, just my final question really is about some of the trends you're seeing around Central Ohio. You know, and, and broader. Um, for example, we talked about eviction and, and and problems with housing, nutrition, and food insecurity is is something that's been a perennial problem in Central Ohio. What are some of the things that you are thinking about and watching for you now? Policymakers, leaders in our in our city, to really solve as kind of core issues that trickle all the way up to what you're seeing with your patients? What 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 are the fundamental factors? What are the big ones?
0: Housing. I mean, housing, we have got to do something about housing, not just from the shelter standpoint, but from how we're leasing properties, capacity. Um, Mike Wilkos from the United Way of Central Ohio just gave a great um presentation uh, about census information and the growth of Columbus and how we're not um, providing the, uh, how far behind we are with providing affordable housing units each year, right? Mm -hmm. And we're growing. And even though there have been things that have been tried to put in place, like they can't, like landlords can't discriminate because of income, we're seeing more and more people um, still face eviction. And we know once someone is evicted, they become unrentable. Um, and you're talking about that in a hot housing market, right? Every Like, I think Columbus is at like 98% capacity or, or something like that. So if someone gets kicked out of their home, it's very difficult to find them somewhere else to live. I'm even talking about with support. Like, okay. you could have vouchers and want to support them, and landlords are still saying no. So we have got to do something about housing. we got to think about zoning. we got to think about where we're going to build these affordable Houses um, and um, dwellings, and so to me, the housing is a big issue in a systemic. You know, you have to go all the way back to redlining um, and those things, um, and then you have to sprinkle in, you know, the, the the racism that goes with that. So to me, housing and healthcare have a direct relationship, yeah. and so we are really seeing how much work we need to do with housing. We've been giving out emergency rental assistance. But we really need to think about stabilizing folks. They're months and months and months behind on rent. Some of them are still unemployed. And so we we definitely have issues to solve. And people say, oh, there's jobs. Well, listen, things have changed, right? Daycares haven't opened back up in, in the way that they need to. So you have moms that maybe she can't work that job because she's still got to take care of her child. So, you know, some of the things we need to keep peeling that onion back. But to me, housing is, is a huge issue that we need to, to deal with.
1: Yeah, I mean, organizations that have looked at Different areas to put resources have often settled on the idea that housing is the fundamental thing. Yeah. you know, you got to solve that before you can solve other issues, and and it needs to be said as well. Here in Ohio, we're pretty far behind in terms of our um, our, our legal arrangements around anti discrimination mm-hmm. provisions for renters. Um, you know, and 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 just I mean the segregation of our communities in any number of ways weakens them and, and makes us less healthy, less secure. So Absolutely. Um, I really appreciate you focusing on that issue. And I know that you do a lot of care coordination work around that as well, but it's that's hard work.
0: It's very hard work, It's hard, yeah. but as a community, I will say that through the pandemic, we really come together to maximize a lot of those housing resources. I know more about housing now than I ever thought I would ever know. Yeah. Um, so I'm grateful for partners like um, Impact. Um, they've been taking on the brunt of these ERA dollars and distributing them, and then we're working with the city of Columbus as well um, on emergency rental assistance. So um, we got our work cut out for us, uh, but hopefully, hopefully we continue to find solutions.
1: Great. Well, I wanted to give the the free clinic and the Physicians Care Connection uh, as much love as possible as we head into the end of the year here.
0: We appreciate it.
1: And you know, I, I just want to say you you are one of the healthcare heroes here in Central Ohio. Well, but you. as you said, not just you, because you have a massive team. It's them who you collaborate with. We'll be providing lots of links in our show notes. We'll be doing social media to make sure people know how to get in touch and learn more. Check out some of those stories you have on your website, which are really, really helpful. And uh, thanks so much, E.C., for taking the time to talk with us. Thank
0: you. You have a wonderful holiday.
1: Many thanks to E.C. Green for joining me on the show. This episode of Prognosis Ohio was hosted and produced by me, Dan Skinner. The music was produced by friend of the show, Kyle Rosenberger, and we had great editorial and production support from Lexi Merritt. To learn more about Prognosis Ohio and check out the show's evolving social media presence, please visit the show's website at prognosisohio.com. Prognosis Ohio is a member of the WCBE Podcast Experience and the Health Podcast Network. We'll be back in your podcast feed soon, next time with a conversation with Malik Perkins, public relations manager at the Mid Ohio Food Collective. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss that show or subsequent episodes, especially as we steam towards our 100th episode. Thanks for listening. Happy holidays to you and yours and be well.